0: We were talking, well, I have things, I won't say anything now, (laughs) but...
1: Thanks for the podcast or Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So if we're gonna end up talking about it anyway, we yeah. probably should I should save them for when we're actually recording in the podcast. Oh,
1: right. Oh yeah. Why not now? Was, Hello yeah. and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source of tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois sometimes. and beyond. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me today is
0: I'm Jamie. I'm Ryan. And I have a freaking microphone that works this
1: time! <laughs> I, I like how Jamie realized how loud he was and began to slowly move away from the mic in order to make that work. Uh, yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're well,
0: the description on the last one said, Jamie doesn't have a mic, he but doesn't. he's Jamie, so you can still hear him.
1: It's fine. It, it wasn't that long. I, I simplified it, but that was the intent. Yes. Yes. You got it right. We fixed it. It's better now.
0: I am a, a volume, volumetrically gifted yes. individual. Blessed. Really. Yes.
1: Hi everybody, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> I believe volumetrics are slightly different from decibel volume.
0: Probably so. Yeah. I was just, you know, uh, I grew up in an era of Mayor Harold Washington as the mayor of Chicago, and he used words incorrectly all the time, and so uh, I had a English teacher that if you could get a a phrase or cut something out of the newspaper where Harold. Washington had used the word incorrectly in a sentence, you could get extra credit. So, And I know you were an English major, so I'm sure you probably appreciate a a teacher doing something like that.
1: I I was more literature-based. I learned very early in my career that you have a choice. You can either be right about English, or you can have friends. Or you one of the best
2: words, John.
1: I have good (laughs) words. I don't have the best words. I have good words. But I also have (laughs) friends. So that should tell you where I landed on this. I think I have friends. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. All right. I'm glad that was verified. Jamie remained silent.
3: <laughs> Devastating.
1: <laughs> well, let's make Jamie not silent by saying, Hey, Jamie, how's the store last week? Awesome. Hey, now.
0: Awesome. Well, since the last podcast, we had the downtown trick or treating, and we lost count in the first hour how many kids there were. The best guess that I have heard is 1,500. So somewhere between fifteen and 1,700 kids came to the store for trick-or-treating. And it was awesome and also exhausting <laughs> at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and the, reason, the only reason why we have a really good count is uh, on the next block down from us is a thrift shop called Two Frugals. And every year they give away Beanie Babies. And they gave away 1,486 beanie babies. Nice. Holy cow. Yeah, and there's, well, there's also a really interesting documentary on beanie babies on Netflix mm-hmm. about the rise and fall of the beanie baby bubble, which is its own fun way to say it beanie baby bubble. I can't, no, I can't say it again. Anyway, um, and, but now we went from beanie babies being these things where people waited in line for hours and hours and hours of to we got the thrift shop down the way that gives them away for free on on halloween so
1: the iconic image of the divorce settlement where there was just two a huge style of beanie babies and two people getting divorced were taking them out one by one will always live in the back of my mind
0: <laughs> yeah you know it was no it was a great it was it was great it, we had a really great weekend Uh, So we had Friday with the downtown trick-or-treating and then Saturday was the last of the farmers markets and Sunday great day with Lorcana and Age of Sigmar and Pokemon. I mean, it was just a really great weekend on that weekend This this most recent weekend It was like a really chill weekend for the store. We didn't have like 82 events. We were trying to manage Customers were coming in shopping. We were able to take care of people, answer all their questions. It was just a really awesome last couple weeks.
1: That yep. sounds like the only chill time that I have heard Red Raccoon have in the last. Well, since it's moved, pretty much.
0: It was the first weekend where we didn't have a ton of stuff we were trying to do, and it probably is the last one until after Christmas. Yeah. Because it's it's all coming back, right? Yep. Here it's we all go again. Ramp back up. We've got this upcoming weekend, we've got a pre-release for Magic the Gathering's uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan. And we've got the used board game auction. And we've got a pre-release for Digimon and something else. Uh,
2: there was another I think big it's thing. another, is it One Piece? It, you, oh, there's a
0: One Piece pre-release coming up too, right? Yeah. So that's and, all like this weekend. And mm-hmm. we
2: just got a Digimon Tournament Kit Volume 10. So, uh, yeah. Is, is One Piece, is it keeping up, surprisingly?
0: It is right now.
1: We it's... have no
2: product, John. Oh, well, that's,
1: <laughs> that's a Lurkana problem as
0: well, correct?
2: Well, we've gotten more One Piece to sell, though. So okay. we're still out, though.
0: This is where we are on One Piece set four. Mm-hmm. and sets one and two, we couldn't get anything. So when the people were upset about Lorcana, I'm like, this just happened, the One Piece, like six months ago. We couldn't get anything for set one. I think we got like two boxes and one thing of starters, which was less than we got for Lorcana. Set two, we got more stuff. By set three, they kind of had it figured out, and we got enough stuff to do a pre-release and, and starters, but it wasn't as much as the guys wanted. They wanted mm. to buy like a case of product each, and then set four is the one that we're getting ready to come into. So it's it's every new CCG ramping up has these issues with with supply.
1: Do you think it's because of how good the game is, or are you feeling like it's more of a fandom experience?
2: Um, both. I think it might be both. Okay. One Piece seems to have kind of that, like, um, I think it's more along the lines of, like, Oh, I re- I never want to say Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I think it's closer to My Hero. I'm not entirely sure. Everybody has lots of good points.
0: Well, well, but One Piece is also benefiting from the fact that the live action show just dropped on Netflix. That's true. There were a ton of kids dressed up in One Piece costumes. Really? Uh, for Halloween, as well as a ton of Naruto.
2: That's surprising. Oh, yeah.
0: It was. I was like, wow. That's. I mean, call it. I bet you 30 or 40 kids for one piece that I could recognize. So they were just like the main title characters, right? And then Naruto is probably about the same. So out of 1,500, that's a pretty good percentage. Yeah. We also had a ton of Wednesday Addams.
1: Oh. Only
0: like two Barbies.
1: I thought we were going to see a ton of Barbie stuff. A lot of people are remaining very firm on the SAG strike, so...
0: Okay. Yeah, we did not see a lot, like two Barbies. Those but eight-year-olds tons.
2: better
0: not
1: break the. Yeah, break the. Yeah, tons line. of
0: Wednesday Addams. Hmm. Absolutely, tons of and tons of um, inflatable. Those inflatable costumes, where that caused them some issues navigating inside of the store. There was a, a at least three of the character from. Um, what's the sus? The sus. Uh, Among, Among us? us. Among us. Yes three of those guys and those outfits were massive trying to navigate the aisles to get back to where I was, you know, and they're, you, you could tell that, that we were not the first stop as the parents are like trying to compress the outfit <laughs> to get through the the aisles. And then when they got out in the wide space, letting go, and then the outfit blew back up to full size again.
2: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. But I think, I think also one piece right now is, It's still not super easy to get, even though we feel like we're getting a good amount of it. It's still not super easy to get. So a lot of the players are hitting all the stores in central Illinois that are running One Piece. So we had a One Piece store championship, and we had guys from Springfield, Champaign, and Peoria that were all here playing with our local group as well.
1: It's good to see a card game get that much love. I mean, we've obviously seen so many flashes in the pan that, you know. Argent Saga? Yeah. Flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Which I have a friend who is a huge Flesh and Blood fan. And I actually saw an article on IGN about Flesh and Blood, but yet I don't, it feels think, very much I, like a Hail Mary.
0: I think it died here, but I think there's a lot of stores where Flesh and Blood is still doing really, really well. Mm. I mean, just in Washington, Illinois, it's what, 30 miles away, is Zeke's Comics and Games. They've got a pretty solid Flesh and Blood community over there. Interesting. And, you know, the, the one or two people that were trying to get together here, and we just couldn't get more people playing Flesh and Blood here, I think they're just going over there. Chance, right? Chance works here, and he goes over there sometimes for some of their Flesh and Blood tournaments. Look at that. Yeah.
1: This percent. doesn't mean being the novice, learning along with you, the listener. This is amazing. Yeah, but it's, to it's, be
2: fair, it's, it's, I it's only know week. two players of Flesh and Blood, and it's Chance and Genesis.
0: <laughs> well, we had, I think, probably seven or eight.
2: But yeah. flesh
0: and blood had some supply chain issues at first, and then the boxes went crazy. Price skyrocketed, and, and we couldn't
2: uh, host any events because of COVID. And yeah,
0: it yeah. was it was a mess. I mean, it was a bad time if you had your whole marketing budget planned out and everything, and then your game dropped during COVID. I mean, that Ugh. was yeah. You know, you you you're probably eighteen or twenty four months of planning to have a global pandemic start four months before your game is supposed to come out. Yeah.
1: Really, that's on them. Let's face
0: it. We I all mean, saw it coming, right?
2: Obviously, obviously. Everybody knew exactly how long the pandemic was going to last, yep. the start of it, um.
0: how we were going to how many waves we were going to have, yep. how long it was going to take to it get It was all planned out. It was going
2: to be 2 weeks of lockdown and then we were done.
0: <laughs> so before exactly we merge, in, we couldn't do
3: that.
1: Yeah. No, b- we couldn't. Before we merge into some political areas that we don't need to on a board game podcast, let's go back to board games and say, "Hey, What have we been playing lately? And Jamie and I actually have been able to play some games together lately that were a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Ryan, you want to go first?
2: Um, I've been very bad, and I've just been sticking my head in the RPG sand.
0: We just did Uh, game training yesterday. I know. She
1: doesn't even remember. They don't 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 even remember.
2: (laughs) Um, What did we do for game training? We did leave, which was very pretty. Very nice pieces. I think Forest Shuffle was the one I started to get competitive with, but only after like 30 minutes in, and suddenly I was just like, Jamie's just done a terrible move, and I would like to beat him entirely because of this. And if I win against anybody else, it doesn't matter.
0: Was it the bear? It
2: was absolutely the bear. Okay.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, game training, we did Leaf, which is right now we have the deluxe Kickstarter version which has amazing components. They're just absolutely gorgeous wooden leaves, and they're beautiful. And the, the base game, they're cardboard punch ops as well. But there's something satisfying about assembling. The way that it works is you have to touch the points of the various types of tree leaves, like a silver maple or poplar tulip or... Ginkgo's. Ginkgo's. And you have to touch the points or the stem to other points and stuff, and that's how you. It's a it's a it's a set collection game ultimately that just has this really satisfying leaf assembly process, that dictates how you assemble the uh, how you get the set collection components. Mm. And it was it's just really pretty and kind of laid back, and it's I think it's a really good starter game. A mm. little bit more advanced than you know some of your really basic um, set collection games like it's more advanced than Ticket to Ride, but um, pretty satisfying, I think it'll do well with uh, kind of that more casual crowd who doesn't want something that's going to take, you know, two hours. They want kind of that that more casual vibe. And then Forest Shuffle, we pulled in because it's it got a ton of Essen buzz, and it was showing up on a ton of reviews that the, uh, I watch, and we busted that one out. There is a lot going on there. That's a so much it's a point stuff. salad game. Okay. Point salad slash engine builder. Ooh. And it's like kind of it, it felt kind of like Wingspan, where Wingspan had that, that point salad, all the different ways you could score with all the various birds, and then you had that engine builder, if this bird, then that and stuff as it goes along. And uh it was pretty cool. It, it was I I think that there's a reason why. For a shuffle, got the buzz, and it's it's it was pretty solid. We all, everybody that we I played with, enjoyed that one quite a bit.
2: It's it, not my favorite, but uh, I I'm not confession. a point solid person. I I really like social games, mm. which is why the moment of truth for me was Jamie. How dare you? That was my card. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, speaking of those social games, I know that you are going to be starting up a new vampire campaign. How's that going?
2: Um, we haven't started that one yet, but my, uh, my current one, which honestly, if I have two vampire games, uh, for Dungeons and Dragons campaigns and a, um, cyberpunk game, I'm probably playing too many. Uh, but my current one is we are a pair of Jacksonville vampires who are very young,
1: um Jacksonville, Florida?
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, there is a
0: Jacksonville, Illinois, but I was yeah. in Florida too.
2: Yeah, so oh. it's it's Ariel and I and uh we're we're basically just two crazies unleashed upon the world. And um she's uh playing one of the clanless ones and I'm a siren type, so it's it's just nuts. I'm I'm very very happy to be playing it
1: i've just never pictured vampires in florida that's
2: it's hilarious the
0: well if jacksonville wouldn't put you necessarily too far from the villages that's fair you know if you pick off a bunch of elderly folks with you know so far it's
2: been mostly bartenders Oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, the,
0: there's a Kathleen Madigan. She's a comedian that Kelly really likes, and, and she talks and makes a joke about the Villages in the fact that she can outrun everybody there because she's the only one that has her natural hip sockets left.
2: <laughs> so, you know,
0: they, they, they can't run away from you.
2: Uh, my entire, like, food plan is to run an OnlyFans account and then lure people back to, like, hotels. Wow. Okay, family podcast. And to, to bring
1: it back to kids and games, I actually have gotten to start a new uh, RPG. I'm getting to do a Dungeons and Dragons game uh, yes. with uh, the Metcalf high, uh, grade school.
0: Yeah. Middle they're, school. They're like middle schoolers. Yeah. Middle
1: schoolers, yeah. So I. I all fifth and sixth grades. Yes. So I know Jamie helps out on Wednesdays. I don't know if you've started a campaign with them or not, but I started one on Friday. Uh, we were originally going to do two campaigns, and I was terrified on how I was going to try and GM two games at the same time. Luckily, we were able to merge into one group. And, ah, you know, they always talk about how if you show a, a certain puzzle to an adult, they'll never be able to figure it out. But if you show it to a kid, then they'll because they have no reference point for it, they'll think outside the box and be able to figure it out immediately. That's how I feel like it is playing Dungeons & Dragons with these kids. <laughs> they... <laughs> no no bounds they have no limits and because of their varying levels of experience it is an absolute blast i, I we only we are trying to do a i'm starting them out doing a candlekeep uh campaign just campaign 1 i already had some 3d things printed out for it never got to pull them out because just getting the setup and getting them to go inside a tower to try and find a portal took almost two hours.
0: <laughs> I heard you were trying to explain the rules of how D&D was supposed to work, and they were like, uh, Jamie already taught us this. Yes. Can you just DM the adventure?
1: There was there were two groups that I taught that day. <laughs> One of them was a bunch of boys who like, very quickly had to teach them how to fight things so that they could fight things. And then there was a table of girls who were just like, uh, Mr. Matthew was already here, and you're just telling us all the stuff we already. They were schooling me on things. Uh, <laughs> Jamie had taught them the tomato rule when it comes to all of your uh, uh, characteristics.
2: What's the tomato rule? You've never
1: heard. Th- oh, you've heard this. So strength is how far you can throw a tomato. Dexterity oh, okay. is if you can dodge that tomato or catch it or catch it.
0: it splattering. Yes. Um, Constitution is the ability to eat a tomato.
1: A rotten tomato.
0: Uh, Or just a tomato in general. I have friends that are allergic to all nightshade plants. That's fair.
2: Okay. Rest in peace.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If I could have tomatoes, that would be horrible.
1: Intellect is knowing that a tomato is a fruit.
0: Wisdom is knowing that you shouldn't put that in a fruit salad.
1: And charisma is selling that fruit salad with tomato in it.
0: (laughs) As salsa. Very fair.
1: So, yes, that is the the normal rule. so we were going through that it was a whole lot of fun but then actually uh jamie had a few friends over at his house and i got to go invite and originally we were going to go play what was the castles the of burgundy castles of burgundy which i had heard of before but i had
0: it's an it, older game it's an older game it I is mean, not it really on on my 10 radar. year anniversary edition came out well actually like two years ago now which is
1: what you had bought and that's what we were going to play but it just so happened that before Jamie and I had been playing Thunder Road Vendetta. And so it was still out on the table. So we decided to try and give that a try with four players and the amount of chaos that ensued
0: it was so awesome.
1: It was so good. So this ca- might
0: be one of my favorite. I think this is, this is, it is definitely moved into my top 10 board games at this point. Wow. Okay. Thunder, Road? Really? Thunder Road, Road Vendetta because John and I tried to learn the rules. We played it one time as two players And we had a ton of fun. Each person gets three cars um, and, you know, a big, little, small, a ton of fun. And we were like, okay, now we got to try this with more people to see what happens. And so when we played it with four, now there's, uh, you know, 12 vehicles on the road at the same time. And it was just chaos happening. And, And it was, it's, the game is very much like the... Either you could look at it as like the uh, Death Race 2000, Michael Carradine and uh, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone. Yep. from 1981 It's an old one, yeah. Like that. Or combined with the just the the, the chase scene from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. Right, just that one scene where there are all the craziness and cars are ramming each other, exploding and flipping all over the place because that's what happens when you're playing the game. John, I mean, you got knocked out like first, calm.
2: didn't you? I,
1: there's so a rule, Jamie. I so can't you did win. not
2: die historic on the free road? Well, I guess I did you not, did very quickly. <laughs> I was not
1: all chrome and shiny, no. Uh, so basically what happened was I was, in the first game and in this game, I was doing really well. Like, I was in first place. Ah,
2: uh, you and got blue-shelled.
1: I got blue-shelled <laughs> every single time. And uh, in the first game... Jamie just like caught me at the last minute in this last game because I was first, everybody went after me. I lost one car because it fell too far behind. Uh, and then the other two were just attacked relentlessly.
0: Um, it's this cool thing where you're racing down a straight road and when one person gets to the end, the uh, end of the road, you take off the, the rearmost tile of the three tiles and any vehicles on there are just blown up. They're just gone cause they're too far behind. And then you slide everything down, you put a new tile out in the front. And so it's a it's a constant race to make sure that all three of your vehicles have at least moved far enough forward to not get eliminated from the race. But there was a ton of ramming each other into various obstacles on the road. Uh, and because you keep you can pinball off of each other. So if I, I drove up and I rammed into John, then you roll these two dice. One die tells you which car of the two involved in the... In the conflict, it gets affected. And then there's another guy that says what direction they go in. Well, then John could pinball into your car. You could pinball back into one of John's cars. John could come back into me. And then in one scenario, I got, I started the whole scrum and I got knocked backwards under a helicopter and the helicopter instantly blows your car up. Whoop. So I started off like doing really well, like I'm going to plow into these guys and make a hole to move forward. And I ended up blowing my own car up. And it Sweet. was.
2: So you did not successfully uh, do the pit maneuver. No, no.
0: not uh, no, not, not not at, at all. all. Nope, no. So and then Sean tried to do that to me and actually flipped himself his car off of the off of a canyon ravine where he came after me and we were on this. I was trying to take a shortcut around the the side on this one super narrow pathway. Sean's just like, I'm going to go just wipe Jamie out off that pathway and ended up flipping himself off instead. And so, shame. It's it's chaos. I'll bring it in sometime. We will get the we'll throw a game down because. Now I want to play it with six players because I have the version that has the Big Rig expansion and the Motorcycle Gang. So we can have two more players, one person just playing the Big Rig and one person playing the motorcycles.
2: So, as well. can can we ever get this one back in the store? or Is this a uh, Listen can, to all this excitement and n- Well, weep. no,
0: <laughs> we can get um we can get the base game and the Big Rig expansion. There are some micro expansions that were in the Kickstarter only that I don't think we can get anymore, but we can get most of the stuff. Okay. We just can't get all the stuff.
1: And what we've seen in a lot of these games, especially those that have been Kickstarter funded, is if somebody, if they do like a sequel to the game or more expansions, oftentimes you can go back and get some of the older things as well. Such as uh, Cthulhu Death May Die has led us to, uh, you know, that first wave was very popular. It sold out very quickly. Um and then everybody was looking for it i'm part of the fan pages for that and everyone's trying to exchange all the different versions all the different extras it was the the season 2 box was going for 400 500 it's it's not even a complete game it's just expansion stuff like uh, all the
0: stretch goal stuff
1: exactly and then they did another cam they did another sequel and put all of that stuff still available for like another 150 bucks which totally bottomed out the market for it
0: so a bunch of people were kind of salty about
1: yeah that. they were not happy but then we play Castles of Burgundy, which we don't have to talk a lot about because it's just it's a Steffenfeld game.
0: It's it's math in a box. It's
1: math in a box and it tricks Ew. you. It <laughs> tricks you into thinking you're playing a game, but it's just math.
0: It's it there's a reason why it's been around long enough to get a 10-year anniversary box with some of the expansions put together. It's a good worker placement game. It is. It's 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 a good worker placement game. Period. We yeah. It's It's a hex based build out your kingdom and your board, but everybody's competing for a limited number of resources in order to do it. And it's a fun game.
1: It is fun. I just am salty. Being the English person, just, and never well, liked I had to relearn
0: how to play it, though, because last time I had played it, it had been like nine years ago. And Sean <laughs> wanted to, me to teach him how to play. I'm like, i got to re teach myself how to play.
1: Stephenville games are all art, let's face it. The fact that he can re- reimagine math in a board game in different ways with different themes are incredible. I will give him credit for that. They are just not my favorite games. So
0: Now a couple of uh, other quick ones that we did is uh, we learned uh, the Disney version of Dixit, which oh. is 100% the exact same as Dixit. So if you've ever played Dixit, which is a great game to play with, again, that kind of that junior high kid's. Because their imaginations go crazy, because they don't know limits like uh, adults have been conditioned to, um, then it's a fun game. And with the evening crew, we played 800 Pound Gorilla, which is kind of the spiritual successor to Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. And it was, it's another chaos in a box game, just like Taco Cat Goat Cheese is. It's, if your family enjoyed that one, which, we sold most of the versions that we sold on that one because Taco Cat Go Cheese Pizza 100% went, went viral on TikTok. You're going to have a good time with 800-pound gorilla. Uh, the, kind of that tween crowd, will it'll, it's just chaos. And you could easily keep kids busy at Thanksgiving dinner, before or after, Christmas time if you wanna put a pile of kids someplace and actually adults be able to play with them without wanting to poke your own eye out. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. It's grabbing and dexterity and yelling and actions and pounding your chest or making the narwhal horn on your head or searching for the biggest gorilla or grabbing for coconuts and yeah, it's it was fun. It was it was a good one.
1: Nice. Speaking of fun, Jamie, you you actually have stumbled into one of the things that Ryan and I have had fun with for quite some time. Oh boy. You sent me a message the other night. <laughs> you said, Hey, I got the game. And I said, what game? It's like the one you've been talking about on the podcast for weeks. And I said, Oh, so you're finally done with Diablo. And you said, yes. I said, so you're moving on to Baldur's great three. And you said, yes. So naturally the first article that I want to talk about on the podcast is about Diablo. So, <laughs> uh, from comicbook.com, uh, Diablo tabletop RPG and board game announced. Uh, the uh, It's coming supposedly in 2024 and it sounds kind of good. Like, as much as I've been trying to pull you away from Diablo, I know it's had its hooks in you. And Ryan, you've gone down the Diablo route as well, correct?
2: Um. I'm already halfway through my, my second season pass. Please don't talk to me. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah. We're not here to judge.
2: Um, but yeah, I, I love Diablo. I played a buttload of Diablo 3 um, and have already played a buttload of Diablo 4.
1: Uh, I kind of picked up on this because as we were sitting here and I was sharing the articles with you and you got to the Diablo article, all I kept on hearing from your side of the table was, oh no. Oh
2: no. Oh no. Oh no. On So one of the Free League authors is working on it. um, And that is very exciting. And since it is Diablo, that means the art's going to be fantastic. And it's supposed to be its own unique system. And I'm very just like, "Mm, so maybe I won't do another D&D campaign. Maybe I'll do Diablo.
0: I think... I mean we already had a Diablo RPG. Do you remember? There was a second edition module. No. d D second edition module that was Diablo. It was a box I, set.
1: I had no idea. Seriously?
0: Yeah. You never it was it was I think it was for the original Diablo, which would have been what, ninety three, four, something
2: like that? So it came out the year I was born. <laughs> 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 You know, I saw it coming.
1: I saw it coming, and I still was not prepared for
3: it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyways, uh, the... Katie actually said the phrase yesterday during game training, what can I do just to impress upon you how old you really are? Why?
1: Fire her.
0: I'm like, more than you do every (laughs) damn day? Wow. I was just... So back to this RPG that we're all excited about.
1: And we don't have to talk about how long it's been. Uh, it has been the same person who worked on the Alien role-playing game, the Blade Runner board uh, RPG, and the uh, Dune RPG are all are, has the same author of all of those, which I think have done pretty well. Like I've heard a lot of people being very excited about the systems and what they bring. Uh, We don't have a lot to know about as far as the board game, other than it's coming from Glass Cannon Unplugged, who did the Apex Legends board game, the Dying Light board game, and the Frostpunk board game. Um, So I guess my question is, when it comes to video game RPGs or video game games in the board game shop... Like I know that we just got Mr. Torgs from Borderlands coming in. Do you see a lot of the people from the game, the, playing the video game, come in and immediately want these the games? Game you said? Mr. Did Torgs. You
0: Mr. Torgs
2: Arena Badassery. Oh!
1: I'm sorry. I, I I did mean that. Yes. Yeah. That's the one.
2: Um. <laughs> I I think it's kind of a toss-up. Um. I know we've had uh, the freakishly huge Assassin's Creed game that somebody had special ordered. Um, We had the Skyrim board game that was like a legacy, like miniatures sort of like thing. And that one actually sold really well, which like surprised me because it was like the ninth iteration of Skyrim. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, the Skyrim minis game. Yeah. And there's a Fallout minis game, which didn't do great here, but has done very well in other places again.
2: Interesting. It's, We've sold a lot of the Fallout like Shelter one.
0: Yeah, the Fallout mobile shelter, game version. The, yeah, in, it came in the little tin, the um, lunch yeah. box. lunchbox. box. Yeah, Fallout Shelter we sold a bunch of, and there's there's well there's a Fallout RPG as well, mm-hmm. but then there's Fallout Minis game, and it, it's the Minis are pretty cool.
2: Yeah, um, I know we very briefly when I first started working here had like a Skyrim like rpg that we had like minis and stuff for yeah um but i feel like the the most recent board game actually did a lot better than the rpg it
0: did way better than the rpg did yeah and then there was of course the infamous dark souls um debacle where it was
2: freakishly huge
0: it was yeah there was it was just this massive series of boxes but it shipped in five different waves over the course of like four years. Ugh. So anybody who had backed everything on it would like, okay, a year later, like, hey, the next two boxes of your stuff showed up, and people are like, I don't even play that game anymore. Do I have to buy these? I'm like, you already paid for it. You don't have to come pick it up. But that was that was just a rough debacle there. So it's I think it's very hit and miss if it's going to work or not. I think that sometimes we don't spend enough time saying is this a good game before we drop a theme on top of it mm. and i mean is isn't that's really the definition of euro trash isn't it right starting with an ip and then trying to build a game backwards into it instead of saying we want to uh start with a good game and then add a theme on top of it yeah it, when ben was in we were doing the interview with him he said he's he said he was always working about the mechanics and making the game, and then he would figure out what the theme was going to be on top of it later.
2: Yeah. Or even just, like, I I feel like sometimes you put an IP on top of something, and it just feels weird. Like, oh, so this was something else first. Yeah. And I I would really, in, I enjoy the idea of Diablo's RPG being made from the ground up to be Diablo. Yeah. I I do, too. That's exciting I did find
0: it while you guys were talking. It was for the Dungeons & Dragons Diablo 2 edition. Ooh. Released in May of 2000. So Ryan was probably in kindergarten that year.
2: I was six. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Moving on. (laughs)
2: But, yeah.
1: Jamie, you you have started playing Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. Just before we, we go into the article that actually does involve Baldur's Gate 3. Quick review. What are you thinking so far?
0: This is probably the game that forces me to upgrade my computer. <laughs> okay. The...
2: Sounds like you should have kept in a PlayStation. <laughs> mm,
0: he has one. I have a PlayStation 5.
2: Why didn't you He's buy it on a PlayStation?
0: Because
1: he didn't want to play with me, and he knew that if he got it, I'd force him to. So
0: it, it, No, it didn't seem like the type of game to play on a PlayStation Okay. for me. right? For me... This kind of a game is a keyboard and mouse game, not a controller game. And I feel like I would have been very, very frustrated playing a turn-based RPG game on a PlayStation.
2: I guess that's fair.
1: I will say that I have seen some clunk in my playthrough, so that checks out.
0: Oh, Whereas, fine. of course, I say this at the same time as I say that I'm going to have to upgrade my PC. I think that, um, that it, well, one, the game is absolutely gorgeous. 100%, mm-hmm. right? I'm running it at 4K which is why my PC is crying.
1: That might be a part of the problem yeah I'll yeah. we'll just throw that out there.
2: well it's it's what's it, the burning smell
0: <laughs> Yeah right and I've got a third you know I got I've got a 35 inch gaming monitor and it's it, it's absolutely gorgeous the and the sounds are very immersive uh, it's for me it, it's the load times so I think, and because my computer's main storage is still a spinning sata drive and i have i have on my desk it just arrived the new 2 terabyte nvme drive that i just haven't installed yet and but that's going to be you know okay i need to set aside a few hours to open the whole computer up and take it apart and because dust while you're in there and the only socket that's available is actually under the video card. So I got to take the video card out, which means unhooking the water cooling and then putting the drive in and then putting a heat shield on top of it and then put it all reassembled, put it all back together. So at some point, I just need to carve out like, here's three hours to upgrade the computer. Then I got to copy all the stuff off the old SATA drive onto the new high speed drive. Bet you, Baldur's Gate runs better then.
2: Probably, yeah. Uh, do you want do you want to build me a PC for Christmas? Holy crap.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ryan, do you remember whenever we needed to add more like storage space to our PS5s and we had to go through the hard work of plugging in an external hard drive and being done with it? Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's pretty nice. And the wait times in Baldur's Gate 3? Non-existent.
0: Yeah. I well, will you guys s- are hilarious. Right? Oh, thank you. Yeah, but we're great. the storyline is cool. I do appreciate, you know, without giving too much away, I mean, I think everybody probably knows that,
1: you're the you, last one, Jamie. We, you, we checked yes, with everyone. You, you are start, the last you person. You start
0: off, this. and it crashed. The whole entry scenes and all the stuff at the beginning with the the mind flayer ship going down. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That, that was all the o- opening scenes and everything before the game really gets started. That was pretty cool. I'm not going to give anything away. But I did find um, on the PC, you do not have to start with a buddy all the time. Zach and Justin were able to join my game in progress and then leave. So they, they create custom characters that join my crew. They take the place of a couple of the um, NPCs. Mm-hmm. And then um, when they leave the game, I send their, their characters back to camp and I bring my NPCs back along. So they can join in and leave and I can keep playing my game and they can pop in. And zachs they're both, like, hours and hours ahead of me, so they've already seen everything that I'm playing through right now. They're just helping at this point. It was kind of fun.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you think so because everyone else did. So much so that it's claimed to be one of the best things to happen to Hasbro, along with Magic the Gathering this year. Uh, This article comes from Dicebreaker. Uh, MTG and Baldur's Gate 3 pull Hasbro's bacon out of the fryer as toy giant doubles down on tabletop brands. Uh, This comes from Chase Carter. Basically, the article goes into how they had their investor call on October 26th. And while they were still making money on their action figures and Play-Doh and all of that, it was not as much as they were expecting. However, their star attractions were obviously Magic the Gathering with the Lord of the Rings and Baldur's Gate 3. Can
0: I just clarify something? Please do. Because Ken read this wrong earlier, too. It's not that they didn't go up. They just didn't go up as much as they forecasted. So they actually, all those other lines were still making more money than before, just not as much money as they wanted to.
1: Ryan, didn't I just say that? I feel like I just said those words. Well, I'm sorry.
0: The way that you said it made it sound like they didn't not, they didn't, they didn't make Okay.
2: Did you know that the pointy lines on the graphs can always go up?
3: Oh. (laughs) That
0: checks out. Yeah. But yes, yes. So. But Ken was like, they didn't make money on those. I'm like, no, no, no. They made money on them. They just didn't make as much as they wanted to make money on them.
2: I mean, do they ever make as much money as they wanted to?
0: No. Yeah. No. But, you know, there's a forecast, you know, earnings calls. They, they, they try to give forecasts of what they think they're going to make for the next quarter. And then their stock price uh, on Wall Street automatically adjusts for that. So the various places like Morningstar and Schwab and and all these ratings companies review their books, review all their public filings, review the forecasts of what they think they're going to do, look at the industry in general, and then say, we give this a buy, a hold, or a sell this one. Strong buy, strong sell, things of that nature. And so they were still saying, we made money. We made more money than last year. We just didn't make as much money as we wanted to.
2: Yes. Except for Wizards of the Coast.
0: Except for Wizards yes. of the Coast.
1: Which, Wizards of, uh, quoting from the article, Wizards of the Coast, publisher of Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons, and the digital gaming segment, increased sales by 40% from $303.5 million in 2022 to $423.6 million this year but president Chris Cox told investors that Magic the Gathering's Temple sets, especially the Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-earth, combined with the explosive success of Baldur's Gate 3, led to the segment's strong performance. Which, judging by how many people have been playing Baldur's Gate and talking about it, judging by the onslaught of social media talking about Magic the Gathering, especially during the Lord of the Rings, I can't say I'm too surprised.
0: Not really, no. So I got an a, a Instagram reel I got tagged in yesterday, and it was this guy saying, Lorian. Is that that Lorian, right? Yeah, Makes Larian. 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 Larian has a team of 400 people that delivered a fun game that worked, whereas uh, some of these AAA companies, for You can instance, say Call of
2: Duty. It's okay.
0: <laughs> well, actually, I think he was going after Blizzard and Diablo. Delivered a game with 9,000 people working on the game that was still full of bugs, still didn't deliver all the stuff. There's still features missing. It's been out for months, and things that they said were going to be in there are still not in there. And he's like, but the one thing that keeps working on all those games great is the store. Go buy new things for our our game at the store Mm -hmm. with the microtransactions. Oh, yeah. So he was just like, how about you just deliver me a good game that works out of the box and then we can have a different stuff because larian just showed everybody that with one tenth or five percent of the staff you can actually make a fun game that just works
1: and from what we've heard there's real no plans for dlc simply because as soon as you get to that higher level of gameplay with your characters it's kind of hard to make challenges with all the options and spells and everything like you have so it sounds like we would get a, a sequel to Baldur's Gate before we actually got any sort of DLC or need any sort of, like, add-ons or anything like that for it. So that should be interesting.
0: You know, I, Larian's...
2: The advent of the return. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Larian's first game was Divinity, and mm-hmm. I did not get into Divinity. I was, I have it. I tried to play it. I just never really got into it, and I think I gave up on it fairly early. Same. Same. And um, you, I think, told me at one point that Divinity 2 was much, much better. And so I just, much better. And I never pulled the trigger on that one. So
1: Divinity 2 brought in – Divinity 1 figured out the mechanics. Divinity 2 figured out the characters, which they now combine all of that into Baldur's Gate 3, which obviously is doing gangbusters for Hasbro.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, going back to this article too – Hasbro also sold off e one, which was the television studio that mm-hmm. they bought, which is the studio that did um, Honor among thieves and they sold that off really? they lost a yeah they lost yeah. a buttload of money too so they i think they bought it for over a billion dollars and sold it for like two hundred and fifty million so they lost a ton of money on that one because they couldn't you know even though Ball, even though Honor Among Thieves was successful in, uh, in that they got a pretty decent return on their money, this is Hasbro. They didn't get as good of a return on their money as they wanted, therefore it wasn't a success because they wanted to make more money. And so they scrapped a bunch of the plans of what they were going to do with uh, a lot of the other IPs that they had and they sold off the studio already. Because there was supposed to be multiple D&D movies and D&D TV shows. And we're still supposed to get a Magic the Gathering animated series. But I think that's being produced by somebody completely different going straight to Netflix. You know, But I haven't heard anything about that Magic the Gathering animated series in a long time. So maybe that's been scrapped now. Uh, I don't know.
2: I think Hasbro has commitment problems.
0: Yeah. Well, they're committed to magic.
2: They're committed to money.
0: that's true. And, I mean, in Lord of the Rings, every game store did really good with Lord of the Rings. I mean, we, our players loved it. Uh, People came back to to buy Lord of the Rings who hadn't been playing Magic in forever. I bought Commander Decks, and I haven't bought any Lord of the Rings or any Magic products in a very long time. Since uh,
2: Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, right?
0: I didn't buy Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. You didn't? I did not.
1: He was tempted. I remember I the conversation. I was tempted, but I, I
0: didn't do it because it's you know it's uh, I, I I like magic, but I just I would rather play other stuff. I'd rather play Dungeons and Dragons. I'd rather play board games. Everybody's got their jam of what they want to play. I would rather do the other things, but but Lord of the Rings got me to buy some stuff. I have a commander. I have the set of the commander decks, and tons of people came back for Forgotten Realms and for Lord of the Rings. That had been out of playing Magic for a very, very long time. The hunt for the One Ring didn't hurt anything for sales.
2: Oh, yeah. It's fine.
0: But at the same time, right, we've got the new gift set edition that just dropped for Lord of the Rings.
2: The beautiful scene boxes, which continue to uh, tempt me from the counter every single day that I come into work.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, the scene boxes, because they they basically re-released the Lord of the Rings set and went... Oh, wait, we just put in a whole bunch of new exclusive cards that didn't exist the last time we did this in July. And there's a whole bunch of people that are really pissed about this.
2: Oh, also, look at how beautiful they line up together and create these fantastical painted scenes that, if you would like, we also had the art cards in display cases, if, if that's your jam. I'm just like, excuse you. Pardon they knew, me. <laughs> they knew who they
1: were targeting, Ryan. They knew what they were looking for. They got you and Stop. Chance and Ken. and.
2: I haven't bought anything. Yet. Yet. yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but the sales on this the, uh, as a re-release have not been great. We did, we did okay, but we also didn't order much because we thought that it was, you know, a re-release with only a few new cards was probably not going to be super popular. And I think... I think Hasbro might get their lunch eaten on this one because there a whole bunch of stores real ticked off that this re-release of a set that we just did five months ago, four months ago, isn't selling well.
1: I also find it interesting that one of the things they talk about in the article is that what they're wanting to do is de-invest in less profitable areas and invest in things they know are going to make money, which holds true with some of the things that we're seeing with Magic the Gathering, especially with the Marvel crossover that they plan on having with magic here in 2025, which the reaction that Ryan just gave, which no one can see because it's a podcast, but looked like she was gagging on something. They were gagging on something. Uh, basically. I wonder because of the Marvel fatigue that we are seeing all of the articles that we are now quickly approaching of, well, is Marvel going to go back to the original Avengers team is, is, you know, the, the new Marvel's movie that is supposed to come out next week. I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about it. There's not a lot of people excited about it. Loki season. I'll be there. I'm I've I got tickets too. Uh Loki season two has been only okay. Uh they have canceled.
0: Really? You didn't like it? I've been having such a good time with Loki Loki season two.
1: We can take that off there. Okay. We will have conversations. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. It's just the fact that they are we're now not only having people who are experiencing marvel fatigue who talk about marvel all the time but i think we're also seeing the people that are just fans of it starting to kind of lose the edge of it and it's beginning to show the vanity fair article that just came out i believe last week talked a lot about how they're scrambling to try and get this popularity back up and running and by the time 2025 rolls around i'm wondering if you know hasbro is like oh yeah we invested in marvel this is going to be great everything that Marvel touches is good. By the time we get to 2025, is that still going to hold true?
2: I, on the one hand, I would really like Casper to eat some humble pie. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think that a lot of Marvel's issue is that they've lost the human element. Agreed. Um, but, I mean, that that could be dissected at a later time. Um, I I think in general this idea that we continue to do the thing that works is going to get tiring to a lot of people. And that's across all platforms. Um, I don't think that you can hit a magical success button every single time just doing the exact same thing over and over again. Because people like exciting things and new things and stuff they haven't seen before.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. But I'm a lifelong Marvel comic nerd, so I'm still having a really good time with what they're producing. But at at the same time, Kelly 100% is like, I have no interest in seeing Ant-Man and Quantumania. I don't think she's even watched it. I'm not sure she even watched um, Doctor Strange in the... um, Multiverse of Madness? Multiverse of Madness.
2: I was incredibly disappointed in Multiverse.
0: Yeah, so she's checked out on some of the movies already and she hasn't watched any of the TV shows whereas I'm just I'm total fanboy like that's so
1: awesome and I I think you're Timely that's awesome and I think that's a valid point the people who have been fans of the comic books before this all happened or become fans of the comic books during this time period they'll stick with it but Marvel's true catch was they were getting people that didn't care about comics to watch these movies yeah ravenously excited about movies and we're seeing that fade away and so most of my favorite right. characters died yeah or have moved on which
2: goodbye Tony Stark
1: to yeah I
2: loved you <laughs> uh,
1: we knew that they were going to be you know human people and probably not just going to be easily replaced and Marvel made the decision to try and evolve from that but did they commit that's a whole other conversation that's probably not for a board yeah. game but podcast. It, it,
0: I think it's a very good point that it, it could affect Hasbro's future if Marvel is already Toast right. We're in phase four right now. Phase five is supposed to launch, and and again, as a fanboy, you know the fact that we're gonna get a new Blade movie, and you know I'm excited to see what the how they're gonna handle the Marvels, and you know we still have the whole issue of what's gonna hang what happen have with King the Conqueror and and um, Jonathan Lee Majors. Jonathan Lee Majors.
2: I'm more I'm, interested in the Marvels than I am for anything else that's coming out. Are you
0: <laughs> yeah. okay? And but. If if you're right, what does the impact of that mean for Marvel Crisis Protocol, for Marvel Champions, for the um, crossover? You know how does that all play out if the Marvel fatigue is real? Yep. Yeah, you know, James Gunn's supposed to reboot the DC universe again, <laughs> and so we we don't have as many DC games. We mostly that DC comic characters show up in hero clicks and then the dc deck builder game Mm -hmm. that's most of what we have we don't have a lot of other games
2: i don't even think we have the dc deck builder in
0: i don't think we have it in stock no we can just order it order it but there's like 18 expansion packs for it so Mm -hmm. if you get into it you can really get into it Um, if you're feeling spicy so and that was that was a batman fatigue issue Mm -hmm. we had a couple years where it was nothing but zombie games Yep. And then zombie games, like you can't you give a zombie game away anymore. Then everything went to Vikings, and now you can't get rid of a Viking game. So, you know, now we're back to burbs.
1: Is Hasbro finally getting onto trends just as they're beginning to leave?
0: Was, was Lord of the
1: Rings just one, you know, flash in the pan?
0: Yeah. Yes. I mean, we want, we, we want I would like, I want Hasbro to continue to be successful or spin Watsi off as its own company.
2: I would love it if they let Watsy go, but they're not going to.
0: No, I,
1: not, I think. Not from the numbers we just talked about. <laughs> yeah.
2: If they let Watsi go, they're going to die.
1: Exactly. <laughs> why, why would they cut off their own lifeline?
0: Well, it's it's the toy lines, you know, it was Toys R Us. We all grew up, you know, wanting to be a Toys R Us kid. And the, if the pandemic was like the final nail in the coffin, the Toys R Us was going to come back. And I think that I haven't heard anything about Toys R Us coming back since the pandemic. Nope. No. No. So I, I think there might be one Toys R Us store in, in New York City that was going to be the new flagship store that we talked about on the podcast a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. Nothing I'm not right sure that me. even opened up because I went to New York and we were like, "What do we got, where are all the nerd stuff? What do we got to see? And nobody said, let's go see the Toys R, the game, the Toys R Us flagship store. I'm not, I wonder if that ever actually opened. Good question. I don't know. It could have.
1: So out of all these things that we see failing... In the board game industry, there is one constant that I feel like anytime that I get to work in the store, I still get asked questions about. I'm always surprised by it. And that is Ticket to Ride. While all others <laughs> might <not> fail, wrong. <laughs> Ticket to Ride has continued to be this movement where there's either the people that just got started and they're excited to buy it for the first time there's the because they just played at a friend's house. There's the people that are coming in for their third expansion. And then there's the people that are asking, "Well, we've played all of the tickets to ride. What else is there for us?" And really, I've never had a good answer to that question. Ticket to ride has been very nuanced and done a great job of keeping a niche market, in my opinion.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess there's not not a lot of other games. It's just like, would would you like to make some more trains? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know,
0: I think that I think that the only misstep. That Ticket to Ride ever had that I can think of that didn't sell well was the Ticket to Ride Rails and Sales. Oh. I don't think that one really did very well compared to all the other ones, right? We've we've even we've even done well with the new fast play ones, right? Like Ticket to Ride New York City, Ticket to Ride mm-hmm. London, which are the ones that you're supposed to be able to play in 20 minutes. Those have done pretty well overall. Ticket to Ride Amsterdam, those kind of the small box versions have all done very well. The map packs have all done well. But now.
2: We got Legacy.
0: Matt Laycock's back, baby. The creator of the Legacy game system.
1: Ticket to Ride Legacy, Legends of the West, leaves the station November 3rd. An article from Polygon written by Alice Newcomb Bell uh, details how this new ticket to ride will have a, I don't know what the actual price will be here at Red Raccoon, but whatever it is, it's probably going to be a good, uh, like a good price because you are getting not only the Ticket to Ride action that you know and love, but the legacy mechanics designed by the person that did Pandemic Legacy, which by and far is seen as one of the best legacy games to this
0: day. I still love Risk Legacy, which was mm-hmm. his first game. I tell, we, sell it, we still sell it. Mostly special order now, but it's such a great game. If you like Risk and you grew up with Risk and you want a whole new twist on Risk.
2: I honestly just love listening to you talk about it and be like, oh, yes, and there's also this envelope.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> the bottom of the box. It says, like, under no circumstances, open this envelope. Yeah. So, would, uh, I want to play Ticket to Ride Legacy. Absolutely. I, I want to get it on the table, and I've been really trying to avoid seeing a whole lot of, I don't want to watch a gameplay of it, because I don't want it to give anything away. So it's it's that's one of the challenges of the legacy games is like you want to play it, but I I or I want to I want to I want to know what I'm gonna play, but I don't want any spoilers. Right. It's, it's like trying to avoid spoilers for TV shows and video games and everything else. I want to play. I want I want to play.
1: So from the images on the article, you can see that there's going to be tons of boxes for you to open open up, tons of expansions to. Because
0: nerds don't like doing that at all.
1: No. No. We created I... an
0: entire genre called unboxing videos <laughs> <laughs> not wrong.
1: but i will say jamie not to give you too much spoilers but they are very much focused from the title alone not only from that but also the images we've seen it's going to be about westward expansion so as you begin to play you are mostly on the east coast and you are slowly building your train each session farther and farther west with complications and uh triumphs happening along the way that can change the course of how you affect the game.
0: Makes sense. It I does. I mean, there's a very real reason why we refer to St. Louis as the gateway to the west. Yeah. Because that's where the trains went first. Mm-hmm. They followed the rivers because it was the easiest way to get through the mountains. And the Ohio River leads you right to St. Louis. And then you got to figure out how to get across the Mississippi. And if you were, uh, all you had was a constant Constanega wagon. The big, giant hoop wagons, right? Oregon Trail Wagons. Constanaga? I think it was Constanaga. Is that the right right word? Am I Harold Washington in this one again? I don't
2: know. Uh, It's been a while since I've been in fourth grade. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I want to play it. I want to play it. It looks cool.
1: I was just about to make a been a while since fourth grade dig at you, but I've chosen not to, and I Uh shall rise above it. But what I will say is that it does look like a great game. However, it's not I'm almost 30, John. It's... (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: we're gonna talk about what's in the shop now you've you've deflated me um so yeah in the shop right now on the new hotness there are quite a few things one thing that i just want to throw out there for seeing how we talked about one piece so much at the beginning of the show is there is a awesome uh, gum gum food replica on the new hotness right now so if you are One Piece, P- it is still there it has packs in it
2: It does.
0: Oh, it does?
1: It's an actual card
0: pack
2: holder? We only ever got two. Um. Yeah,
0: we ordered more. We got two. So when we were talking about one piece is easier to get,
2: except for those. Yeah. Um.
1: When I looked at it, it did not look like it was affiliated with the card game. I thought it that might be while it's still there. People might not realize that you could get card packs out of it. I think that's it's got possible. two packs
0: of set two and two packs of set three inside of it. From yeah. the
1: small packaging details I can see from the photo, that's exactly what it looks like. And some yeah.
2: special sleeves. Ooh,
0: special sleeves. Yeah.
2: It's really cute.
0: Oh, look at that right there on the shelf. Ticket to Ride Legacy Edition. It's yeah. out. Oh, it is. It I is. I guess
1: it is past November third, isn't it? Yeah, that was like yep. totally last week, man. We wow. sold
2: our like Guys. six first copies, and it's really good that we got more before it actually released. Yeah,
0: good. you know, because we, we special order copies in, and then the, the the then the all the special orders kept trickling in, and we're like, everything we have is sold. We need more. Or uh, Alexis, order more. Order Alexis, more.
2: please, please.
0: Uh,
1: it looks like we got a huge smattering of the uh, Vast grim, which is the sci-fi version of Morkborg, Morkborg which we talked about at nauseum last week, much too. I'm still <laughs> not sure if I'm happy like about that or not. But. <laughs> um,
2: there there are even uh, cute little dice sets over on the dice wall that match. Uh, For Vast
1: Grimm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neon purple?
2: Uh, they're actually electric blue. Ooh, okay, all right. Uh, but they have little little cyber skulls on them, and I think they're really cool. <laughs>
0: okay, that's kind of cute. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, one of the games I was stoked about too, because it's been doing really well everywhere, is For Northwood, which is a one-player trick-taking game. It's the guy who did Orchard, uh, which was probably what two years ago, a year and a half ago, made a sequel, oh, kind of a spiritual that. sequel. For a one-player trick-taking game that is apparently kind of tearing up the sales charts, so hmm. I want to. I, I, that's on my list of games to check out too. And then um, we have multiple advent calendars, either here or on the way, at dice advent calendars. So we yeah. got the first one from the metallic dice games people. It's under their uh, fan roll brand. Yeah. So we got that one here, and we also have. Uh, advent calendars on their way from Foambrain so we'll you'll have options to pick up in November to do your dice advent calendars for December
2: yep um, I believe we still have gemstone ones in the case uh, if you're looking for something a little bit more fancy uh, but yeah, we even just got in our new foam brain um, mystery uh, bags that have a liquid core uh, D20 and a snow globe enamel pen that are super Ooh. cute. Um, so, so definitely get one of those. They're like 20 bucks and you're not going to get a whole lot of liquid cores for that much. That's very true.
1: Yep. Every time I look at a liquid core and flip over to see how much it is, it, I go just instinctively. Yeah. Uh, I will say that we have a lot of new Squishables out. We have a what looks to be a gingerbread man, but in a Halloween theme.
0: Gingerbread, ginger undead man.
2: Yeah, we even have a uh, Halloween wreath um, from Squishable. And we have a biblically accurate an- angel like Seraphim. Um, I did
1: not see that on the Squishable shelf. Are we going to scar some children with that?
2: No, he's super cute and fluffy. I just don't think they'll understand what he is.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's true. That's going to be some nightmare fuel. We do have also the Christmas time, the season's uh, Plague Doctor and Plague Nurse.
2: Yes, and they come as a set, and they are uh, a lovely navy blue and gold for this year.
0: We got the Halloween spooky set in, and they sold out so fast I never even saw them. I was like, I wanted, I wanted to see them. Was it,
1: it, was it the the mushroom ones?
0: No, that's no, they're the, coming that's out the soon. That's the Nordic set that that Ariel keeps referring to as cottage Court.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: No, these were the spooky ones. They had like Adam's family, purples and dark colors, and like spider webs as like accents to their their clothes and stuff. And
2: they were literally here, and then I left for home for the weekend, and then they were gone when I got back. <laughs>
1: I yeah. will say that I try not to profile whenever somebody comes in the store. If I'm working and somebody walks in, I, I try and approach them with the utmost respect and understanding that I don't know what they're in for today, but hopefully I can help them find it. But there is a select group of people that as soon as they walk in, I just know we need to show you what the new Squishables are. Yeah. I can't tell you what those features are. I can't literally describe them to you, but there's an aura of people that come in that are they're there for the Squishables.
0: And that's, we all know That's so true.
1: It's true. I do see there's something called Star Wars Rivals, and I, it looks like there's a small little action figure. It's, they're little chibis. They're little chibis? Okay. Yeah,
0: they're, they're, there's, um, there's a starter box where you get four figures, um, two light side, two dark side, and it's a little card game that you can play with them. And then there's booster boxes, and you can either buy light side or dark side booster boxes, and there's an entire range of... Chibi figures to go with the characters from the movie, including the uh, you know, how in all the movies when they do the holograms, they always have that blue see through tinge to them. Mm -hmm. You can get the hologram versions of them as well, as like the rare versions of them. So, and holograms, not force ghosts, just to be clear. Uh, one or the other, okay, (laughs) (laughs) got it. Both, and this is a game from Funko. Which we were talking about, it might have been last podcast, that Funko actually has some legitimately good games that they have made.
1: Just so we're clear, is it Funko or Funko?
0: Hell, I
2: know. Is I think it it's with, Funko.
1: Okay, so it's the Funko, like, bobbleheads, yeah. pop vinyls, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, you. Were, I thought you were saying Funko, and I was making sure that wasn't a different brand. Yeah, I love the Funko... Uh, they had I'm a, not that. Sure, I heard the difference between. I'm sorry, you I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just me. Uh, <laughs> they had a battling game. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but you could get, you know, Rick and Morty from Rick and Morty. You could fight them against the Golden Girls. They had Batman expansions. They could all work together. Each one came with their own accessory that then you could mix and match and play.
0: That was the Funko Verse. Yes, those were fun. But they but they also did like. There was a Goonies game, and there was a Jaws game. The Jaws was, game was
1: so much fun. I love that
0: game. And, and so a lot of it is IP licensed, but everyone I've played, it's actually a good game that happens to have the license put on top of it, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. It was licensing and, done right. Exactly. But I, I I feel like there's so many of us that are just so jaded by the bad stuff that we've experienced over the years that we go, uh, no, I'm not that's just going to be more Ameri trash. I'm, I'm not picking that one up. And, yeah. and every once in a while, and I'll be honest with you, I would never have touched the Jaws game until you bought it and went, that was really good. I was like, really? It
1: was surprising. I still highly suggest it. You One person places the shark. Everybody else places humans. Oh, and there's fun. two different modes to play. And it's just, it's not even two different modes. There's two different stages. There's the... I'm trying to, the, the Jaws, I'm trying to hunt around the island and you can't see me. And then you go to the boat and then you fight each other on the boat. It's awesome. Uh, but, so if you, people wanted to come in and check out all of this awesome new hotness that we've been talking about. What are some events that are going on this next week that they could uh, also come in and see?
2: uh well we definitely have the board game auction coming up which is dominating the amount of brain space that i have but uh what else do we got jamie
0: <laughs> the board game auction as of right now as of last night when i left i don't know what came in today as of last night when i left there's o- there's over 100 games now so it's going to be a thing right so and some of the games are really good games too like like somebody there, there's put in some a lot of of heroscape stuff
2: Ooh. there's
0: i mean it's a lot of heroscape stuff John I know you were a big fan of heroscape you know in, in that that Kickstarter. oh did you see renegades got the, is bringing heroscape back
1: oh they sell they salvaged it
0: yeah Hasbro pulse we were tracking on several podcasts yep. of whether or not the heroscape thing was gonna fund and it failed it, it did didn't go through but has a renegade has been working with Hasbro on a whole bunch of their stuff like older things like there's new versions of Axis and Allies coming out and new twists on it and stuff like that. They're they're making a HeroScape now. So this, there's a massive lot of HeroScape stuff in one of those piles over there. And I'm like, the HeroScape people see that that's going for a lot of money. It's multiple sealed boxes of, of classic HeroScape stuff and all sorts of things up and down, left and right. So. The photo's posted on Facebook now. <laughs>
1: A ghost just came into the podcast to tell us that there's photos on the Red Raccoon Facebook uh, that you can see all of the available games. Is it still open for people to bring in games, or has that been closed Until Thursday. Until Thursday. we're recording
0: this on Tuesday until end end of business Thursday. That'll give us all day Friday to sort out the last of the stuff. Ariel and Ryan have been doing an amazing job. Basil, Kate, Katie all did a ton of stuff with it yesterday. Uh, But also... Magic pre-release, uh, One Piece pre-release, Digimon pre-release. Uh, we already had the Pokemon pre-release, so no yeah. new Pokemon stuff coming up. Oh God, there's so much more stuff. It, you RedRaccoonGames.com and click on the word events to see the event calendar because Ariel has been making everything, trying to scramble to keep up with it all. One fun thing that we're working on for January, which has, seems super far off, we got contacted by the Bloomington Normal or the Central Illinois Audubon Society, and they want us to teach them how to play the wingspan game that they all bought, and none of them can figure out how to play. <laughs> so we're going to partner with the Audubon, so we're going to do a, a day to say, okay, come in. We're going to go through all the rules for wingspan, and um, and, and we're going to teach you how to play the game so you can do more than just look at all the pretty pictures of the birds. And they're so pretty.
2: They are. They're so. Oh, while they're in, we can sell them for a shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, so yeah, there's, there's so much stuff coming up, and of course, full on prep right now for Small Business Saturday and Super Sunday. What well, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Super Sunday, or Couch Sunday, depending on which way you, you want to look at it. Cyber Monday. What's that? Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. So, all that prep is underway right now.
2: Oh, We'll probably be closed for Thanksgiving.
0: Definitely closed on Thanksgiving. We're closed seven days a year, seven major holidays. Thanksgiving is one of those. I go with the policy. If I don't want to be here, I'm not going to make anybody else be here.
2: So please get all of your uh, children distractions and uh, fun gaming supplies for your family getaways. Yeah, 800 Uh, pound gorilla.
1: If you're going to argue over a table, at least make a game out of it.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's easy. Fancy, mm-hmm. great. My favorite game to take the Thanksgiving, Tenzi. I think 800-pound gorilla. I think uh, Taco Cat goat cheese. One Night Silver. Ultimate Werewolf is always one of my favorites. I, if you got olders, yeah, yeah. Older kids could do that one.
2: I always will suggest Betrayal at House on the Hill entirely because that's exactly what uh, I will be playing when I invite Ben over so he can betray me again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So before we end the podcast, we've gotten away from it, and I want to bring it back. Just us talking about some of the things that we're enjoying right now. Some piece of media, whether it's a book, whether it's a video game. Just one thing that we would highly suggest to our audience, because as we've come to find out, they're a lot like us. And they like some of the same things. I've actually been able to enjoy talking on the Discord uh, with Hoppy Uh, because we've been able to share a few of our similar favorite podcasts and things along those lines that we've enjoyed. So uh, what I'll put out today is that I just finished Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 5. Absolutely enjoyable game. I don't think there's any surprises there. It is just more Spider-Man, and I think that there is some good and bad in it, but for the most part, highly suggest it. But uh, because I finished it, I rewarded myself by buying Alan Wake 2 for the PlayStation 2. And that has been... I play the original Alan Wake I really enjoyed it. It is a lot. I suggest if you play Alan Wake 2 and you have not played Alan Wake 1, you go back and you watch a... There's a GameStop video that uh, that does a fantastic job. Spot. GameSpot. Excuse me. Video.
2: I was going to say. Uh,
1: thanks for... I saw the look and I knew. I was like, I did not say that right. That does a great job reviewing what the first game was all about. Uh, but so far, I went into it thinking, oh, well, there's some things here that seem really clunky and I don't know why. And the more that I play, the more I realize I think they're supposed to be clunky, and I think it's going to turn into something great. Actually, some of the people, some of the pundits I listen to say, not only has this just been a fantastic year for gaming between uh, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man, all these other games, but this is actually also a game of the year contender, which I'm just excited more and more to figure out. Uh, Ryans, what you got?
2: Um, Aside from playing way too much Diablo, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, I have been very very delightfully surprised about uh the absolute mass of material that kobold press's deep magic books have brought into my uh D. <laughs> mm. um and i'm really excited to play around with a lot of the uh new fun necromancy spells as i level up and out of the abyss dangerous yes very dangerous well it's already bad because ariel's letting me be a death cleric which means i have Way too much power.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Jamie, what have you got?
0: I have been plowing through a massive amount of audiobooks Mm -hmm. recently. Because I've been doing a lot of work trying to prep the building for wintertime. And working on cleaning stuff up in the rental side of the building. So, I've had a lot of time to listen to audiobooks. And I just finished another one yesterday. Uh, Becky Chambers wrote the long way to a small angry planet, which was a book I listened to a couple months ago. And then I just finished the sequel to it. And the, the concept is that she's created this sci-fi universe where earth had to be abandoned and we made it to the Milky way into more of the galactic center and found out that there are already plenty of species that are out there that have this whole thing figured out or at least more figured out than, than humans ever did. And so the first book follows one ship. It's, it's a, it's a, um, contracting ship that builds wormhole tunnels and we follow the various crew, which is of course an interspecies, uh, crew of people on their adventure as we go along. And book two doesn't follow any of those people at all, except for it's still set in the same universe. And uh, it follows people that we tangentially met as a shop merchant for one part for like four pages in the first book. It follows her and what's going on with her, and it's it's really interesting that um, she apparently I was reading about the whole series, and she has apparently created this entire series where none of the characters appear in other books, at least they haven't, and anything I've seen so far. So it's all set in the same universe. But it's new characters every time that, hmm. that you're following through. It's just a different concept when we were used to following the same characters around through multiple books and stuff, too. So Becky Chambers, the first book was called uh, A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. And the second book that I just finished yesterday is A Closed and Common Orbit.
3: I
1: love those titles. Yeah. yeah. I really like
0: that. And then last week um, I finished um, Dies the Fire. Have I told you about that one? No. So, this is an older book because it was supposed to, it was, it was written in the late 90s and it's set in, um, it's set in the, it starts off in Idaho with a guy who's flying a family on a fishing expedition where you fly in uh, and there's a flash and all technology stops working. Ooh. Yeah, so no combustion works anymore, no electronics work anymore. And so the plane goes down and he manages to crash land it but it happened across America and they follow these different groups of people as they're trying to figure out how to survive in a modern day in 1990s America where no electronics work anymore and no combustion works anymore. That means no engines work anymore. Guns don't work anymore. And it basically throws America back into a mod- modified version from like the 1500s. And of course, uh, bad guys take their opportunity to I just don't step know when forward. to quit those
1: yes. bad guys.
0: You know, and everybody's trying to carve out their kingdoms, their fiefdoms out of, uh, and so most of, the, most of the book actually takes place in Oregon and, and Washington State areas, and it takes place in the Willamette Valley, which is interesting to me because I have friends that live there, and so all the cities that are involved in this historical fiction are actually real cities that are there. And so I'm like, well, my friend lives in Eugene. And um, Corvallis is another place just down the road from Eugene. And I don't know. It's it's really interesting. This guy's take, uh, written by S.M. Sterling, really interesting take on what would happen, right, if technology and electronics just all stopped at the same time. What if? Well, most cities are only three days away from mass starvation. Yeah. Perfect. Because all of our food is driven in now, right? We don't have a lot of people that grow their food, so all the food's driven in. And if all the food is driven in, then we're only three days out where we run out of food. And what happens when we run out of clean drinking water? And what happens if the sewer systems stop working? And, oh, the hospitals are not working.
1: And what if this episode comes to a close? Uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank jamie and ryan for being on the podcast today and if you want our chance to talk about tabletop with us come and find us at red raccoon games located in downtown bloomington illinois i want to thank jillian mesner for the use of our theme music and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment on the podcast app of your choice come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com, or as always join us on the discord uh but until next time keep playing